Welcome to another edition of Focus on the Kingdom. This is Anthony Buzzard inviting you again to investigate the Scriptures with us as we continue with our discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the Gospel about the Kingdom of God. The Bible, you know, is simply filled with predictions and prophecies about the condition of things on our earth shortly before the second coming of Jesus and much more indeed about what will happen after he returns in splendid glory and power to establish his kingdom and to cause peace to prevail across our globe. Prophecy after prophecy describes a time of great trouble in the Middle East. Jerusalem will be the center of a great battle. The Gentiles will form a confederacy of nations to attack Israel and to try to wipe it off the face of the earth. That indeed is the intention of some Middle Eastern nations even in the present time. Now, we don't know when that final attack on Israel will happen, but it's important to keep alive these precious prophecies in every generation until these events actually come to pass. In Micah chapter 5, we have a well-known prophecy about the first coming of Jesus as the one to be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5 verse 2. And he's going to be great, verse 4. And here we have a reference to his future greatness in the kingdom worldwide. The Messiah is going to be great at that time to the ends of the earth. Micah 5, verse 4. That reminds us, of course, of Psalm 2, where the Messiah is granted an inheritance to the uttermost parts of the earth. And now in verse 5 of Micah, we have some more detail about who the great oppressor of Israel will be at the time of the end. Those times just prior to the coming of Christ to establish his kingdom on the earth. This man, this Messiah, we read in verse 5 of Micah 2, this Messiah will be our peace when the Assyrian invades our land. And when he tramples on our citadels, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight leaders of men. And they will shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he, the Messiah, will deliver us from the Assyrian when he attacks our land and when he tramples our territory. That's Micah chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Did you note there a specific geographical region is mentioned, Assyria and the Assyrian? We're talking there of a Mesopotamian power. Now, the ancient land of Assyria, of course, comprised that area which was known in Bible times as the Mesopotamian area. It included also the region of Babylon. But sometimes in the Bible, even the king of Persia is described as an Assyrian. You'll find the king Darius of Persia is described as the Assyrian king in Ezra 6.22. And so you see the term Assyria can include a large geographical region, Persia even, the ancient area of the Assyrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, generally that region found between the two great rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates. But when reference is made to Assyria, we are to think of a Mesopotamian region. We're not here talking about Europe or the West. Far from it. We're talking about Middle Eastern nations. And Assyria is always the focus, one of the main focuses at least, of end-time prophecy. And so here in Micah chapter 5 we read that the Messiah at his arrival in power and glory is going to deliver Israel from its attackers and its attackers are there designated by the term Assyria. Many prophecies in the Old Testament include Assyria 
in their focus. And that Assyrian area is going to be the scene of trouble and war and disturbance close to the second coming of Jesus. Now, war and trouble in the Middle Eastern area were the subject of Jesus' own prophecies as he gave them in the famous anchor of prophecy in Matthew 24. Many will remember that in chapter 9 of Daniel, verses 24 to 27, we have an extraordinarily interesting communication from the angel to Daniel in regard to the final week, the final seven-year period of this age just prior to the coming of the kingdom. It's a time of war and trouble. We learn that wars and desolations are decreed for that final period, and therefore it's not surprising to find Jesus referring to wars and rumors of wars. Now, if Jesus had meant wars and rumors of wars anywhere on earth at any time, his predictions would be extremely vague. But when in Matthew 24 he was asked about the signs of his coming and the end of the age, he spoke of wars and rumors of wars in Matthew 24, verse 6. Let's go back to the initial question of the disciples. As they sat on the Mount of Olives, and looked westward to the splendid buildings of the temple, the disciples came to Jesus privately, and they said, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And in close connection with that question, the disciples also asked about the destruction of the temple. You see, the destruction of the temple is a main feature of the prophecies of Daniel. Trouble in the temple is to be expected just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And this has led many Bible students, very reasonably, to the belief that there will indeed be a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem before the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, it's true that the term temple of God may also be used figuratively or metaphorically to describe the church, the Christian believers. But in the Matthew 24 passage and also in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul and Jesus use the term temple or holy place in a way which suggests an actual building. And that's because Daniel, in his famous prophecies, spoke of the sacrifices being abolished and the abomination of desolation. We might render that as the appalling horror, a desecrating horror. The abomination of desolation would be set up in the temple just prior to the second coming. Now, Jesus was fully aware of those prophecies and gave a detailed account of them in Matthew 24. Again, it's important to stress that none of us knows when these events are going to take place, but it's vital that these prophecies and the study of these prophecies be kept alive and vigorous during every generation until the prophecies come to their final fulfillment. And so in Matthew 24, verse 6, Jesus, in response to the question of the disciples about the signs and the indications, the pointers to the great event of his second coming, said that there would be wars and rumors of wars, but they're not to be frightened. The disciples are not to be frightened by these wars, for these things must take place, but the end, that's to say the end of the age, referred to in verse 3 of Matthew 24, the end is not yet. Then in verse 9, Jesus spoke of tribulation and even death for some of the disciples, and the fact that the Christians will be hated by all nations on account of Jesus' name. That's to say, on account of his cause, his kingdom message, his gospel. At that time, many will fall away from the faith, and they will deliver up one another and hate one another. Jesus went on to say that many false prophets would arise and would mislead many. And because lawlessness would be increased, 
most people's love will grow cold. That's to say, the Christian love of the truth, which is an essential quality for successful Christianity, that love would grow cold in the face of hatred and persecution. And then Jesus announced these famous words in Matthew 24, verse 14. He said, This gospel about the kingdom will be heralded in the entire world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so before the end of the age and the return of Jesus, we would have to expect a worldwide proclamation of the gospel concerning the kingdom of God, at which point when that witness had been fully given to the world, then the end will come. In verse 15 of Matthew 24, Jesus became quite specific in his prediction about the end and the signs of the end. Therefore, he said in verse 15, when you see the abomination of desolation, the appalling horror, the desecrating horror, perhaps, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, strongly suggesting there the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem before the end of the age, when you see that abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, standing in the temple, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea are advised and urged by Jesus to flee to the hills, to the mountains. That, of course, tells us that there's no pre-tribulation snatch of the Christians or rapture of the Christians off to heaven. You don't tell people to flee to the hills if, in fact, they should expect to be removed from the earth. No, Jesus speaks only of a gathering of the saints after the tribulation period. During that time of tribulation, Jesus said, it will be hard for pregnant women. It will be extremely difficult for women with small children. For then, he said in verse 21, there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will occur. In other words, a time of unprecedented, unparalleled tribulation will occur just before the second coming. Unless those days were cut short, no one would be saved alive. During those days of terrible tribulation at the end, Jesus said, there will be claims made by false prophets and false teachers, backed by extraordinary miracles and signs, and they will mislead a great number of people. And then in verse 29 of Matthew 24, Jesus said this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. It's important to notice that they will see the Son of Man. The second coming, in other words, is a visible external event to be witnessed by people on the earth. And then at his splendid coming in glory, Jesus will send forth his angels with a great trumpet the resurrection trumpet, certainly, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. And that then will be the great event described in the Bible as the second coming of Jesus. But now the key to understanding those very final days of this present evil age are found in that 15th verse of Matthew 24. Therefore, Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, standing in the holy place. It's important that we follow Jesus' instructions carefully here. Many seem reluctant to turn to those passages in Daniel 
which clearly describe the event of the abomination of desolation. Reference is made quite specifically to that abomination of desolation in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, and in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, and a further comment, and a very valuable comment, is given in Daniel 12, verse 11. If we take the exact expression used by Jesus here, the abomination of desolation, we'll find this referred to quite specifically in Daniel 11, verse 31, and its companion scripture in Daniel 12, verse 11. Now, if we follow Jesus' instructions carefully and refer back to the references to the abomination of desolation in the book of Daniel, our attention will be grabbed by chapter 11 of Daniel and verse 31. We read there of a final operator, a wicked tyrant, a beast power of some sort, who is known as the king of the north. His career actually begins in verse 21 of Daniel 11. Now, it's obvious from what is said of this final king of the north, that the events associated with him were not fulfilled in the second century B.C. There was, of course, a time of terrible trouble in about 167 or 168 B.C. when the Jews were savagely tyrannized by a Syrian king called Antiochus Epiphanes. But those events were only a shadow of a worse time coming. Our time is running out for today. We invite you to study these critical passages in Matthew 24 and Daniel carefully at home in your own Bible and join us again for our continued discussion of Jesus' favorite topic, the gospel about the kingdom of God.